0: This is the Plant-Fueled Podcast. My name is Cass Warbeck. I'm a medical student, plant-based athlete, and vegan lifestyle advocate. This podcast is all about bringing you conversations to optimize your health and elevate your performance. Hey, everyone. For those of you who have been a part of the plant-based community for a while, my guest today really doesn't need any introduction. Joining me today is Dr. Michael Greger, a New York Times bestselling author, internationally recognized speaker on nutrition, and a founding member and fellow of the American College of Lifestyle Medicine. He is the founder of the incredible website nutritionfacts.org, where Dr. Greger, alongside his team, produce videos on nutrition and other health topics, sharing the latest in peer-reviewed scientific research. Dr. Greger's work was one of the major reasons I went plant-based nine years ago, and it was a true honor to share this conversation with him. We discuss some topics relating to sport performance, and in classic Dr. Greger style, he throws in some new facts fresh from the latest research. Please enjoy this one. And if you do, be sure to leave a five star rating or comment on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, as this really does help grow the podcast. Thank you. I appreciate you and enjoy. Dr. Greger, welcome. I'm so excited to have this time with you. I would love to focus this conversation around sport and athletic performance as it relates to a whole food, plant based diet. But to start with, Um, I've noticed, and as many people know, you spend a ridiculous amount of time walking at your treadmill desk. And I'm so curious, um, what speed do you set it at? And like, how many miles are you walking on day per average?
1: I am now at two miles an hour. Um, so super slow, unfortunately, this treadmill doesn't actually go faster than two. It's just like a special walking treadmill, so I don't think I'd wanna to go too much uh too much faster. It's already a little difficult to type um but um, so uh, it depends if I'm writing or or reading. If I'm reading, then I can be on the thing all day um and you know clock like you know fourteen or so miles. Um, uh, but, uh, but typically I split my days, half writing, half reading. So it's really only, you know, I'm, I'm eight, eight miles a day or something like that. But again, really slow. Definitely get my heart rate up, but keeps me from the dangers of prolonged sitting. There you go. Um, yeah, no, that's
0: impressive. Do you think most people like would you recommend they get a treadmill desk themselves
1: or like oh work up God. to it? Like, Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> or yeah, even a standing desk. Right. I mean, it's, it's literally just like stick your laptop on, on top of some, you know, books or milk crate or something, you know, on a table. Um, and then you're just like, well, while you're standing, might as well uh, do a little movement. Um, and you go to a thrift store and there's tons of discarded, you know, exercise equipment. You can get a cheap treadmill. Slipping under a desk with some, you know, plastic shelving and duct tape and you are good to go.
0: <laughs> I have the standing desk, but I'm not quite at your level. So I might need to work on this.
1: <laughs> oh, standing desk is great. I mean, again, all we're doing, I mean, just those postural muscles mm-hmm. to keep yourself standing, which you don't even realize you're working, um, you know, keeps the, the blood flowing to your calves and keeps your endothelium happy with that sheer force um and so you just don't have that pooling stagnation that can impair endothelial function and set you up for cardiovascular disease later in life
0: yeah um that's one question i had is a lot of people think that like they have their sitting desk job all day they're quite sedentary but then they'll they'll go to the gym for an hour in the evening um how do you does this Undo the effects of sitting throughout the day. You would
1: think, right? It's Mm -hmm. like, well, look, I'm super active. You know, who spends an hour in the gym every day? But prolonged sitting, which I believe in those studies, we defined as six or more hours a day, um, is uh, uh, increases is associated with increased cardiovascular risk, independent of uh, physical activity levels. So even if you go to the gym every day or not, you're still at increased risk. Now, there are some things you can do to mediate that risk. Um, uh, So for example, um, it's all about that that, that calf pump um, in your uh, legs. And so you can, you know, kind of, you know, bounce your knee up and down um, sitting at a desk. Um, there's all sorts of like under-the-desk pedal things and things. I mean, you don't even have to go that. I mean, it was just a matter of uh keeping your kind of legs active um under the desk. And you know, worst comes to worse, you're like a truck driver or something, you're just kind of screwed. Um, there uh, you can uh use turmeric. Actually, turmeric helps um uh mediate the impact of prolonged sitting. So worst comes to worse, you can still do something about it. <laughs>
0: Okay. Move your legs. If you can't move your legs, eat turmeric. I got it.
1: (laughs) That's good. Of course, you also eat turmeric all the time.
0: Yeah, very true, very true. I know you talk about that a lot. Um, okay, so say you're you're walking average 14 miles a day, or maybe it's a long day, you're um walking extra. Do you what's a typical dinner for you or like a recovery meal? Like what do you feel yourself with in the evenings?
1: Oh, it's so not recovery. I'm two <laughs> miles an hour. I'm telling you, this is like a casual stroll. <laughs> it's just a prolonged casual stroll. Yeah. Um, uh, so, uh, yeah, so, I mean, I ate the same kind of dinner that I'd eat any other day, um, which for me is typically leftovers from the day before just to cut down on time of of prep. I, uh, you know, like to, you know, make a big batch. I like batch cooking and so I make a big batch of stuff and then throw it all together. And so the big batches are my prebiotic mix, the brol, you know, which Mm -hmm. is, uh, barley lentils, oat groats. Um, and, uh, lentils, finally, what's it? Oh, rye, rye groats, um, barley groats. Um, and then you can use sorghum and millet and any other whole intact grains, uh, make a bunch of that. And that could be the base for all sorts of sweet and savory meals. You can use for breakfast. You can, you know, um, uh, so, uh, yesterday I did a, um, um, used uh brola base and then did kind of like a general Tso's, uh broccoli kind of thing air fried a bunch of broccoli with some cilantro and some uh red bell pepper um and just kind of you know whipped up some you know this kind of sweet spicy sauce with uh, you know uh dates and ginger and you know garlic and um lots of hot sauce Oh, yeah. So um, the way you get around, I've discovered, the way you get around avoiding sodium and hot sauce, that was my one, like, mm-hmm. Achilles heel. Like, I'm really trying to decrease added sodium <laughs> intake, but love my hot sauce. So there are low-sodium hot sauce like regular Tabasco, super low sodium. But I was like, can I get it even farther? Um, and so you use um, dried chili peppers. I mean, in my mind, there was just kind of chili powder. But no, any chili can be powdered. And so there's, like, the you know like the Thai chili powder you get it uh you know like the little bird's eye chilies at you know Thai restaurants that kind of thing get ancho peppers you can get uh chipotle peppers just one ingredient you just sprinkle it on right um or you can chop up some fresh jalapeno or something but yeah that was so that was a big Revolution recently. So I have all sorts of cool. So, so instead of like, oh, which hot sauce goes with this? I'd be like, oh, which chili pepper goes with this? <laughs> and it's the same, like, you know, tastes just as good. And uh is it cheaper? I don't know if it's cheaper. Some of the probably well, I don't know. But it's delicious. Anyway, so that was yesterday. Um uh t- today, I don't know. I'm gonna mean, do that. I got a long day today.
0: Yeah, a lot of interviews today, I'd imagine.
1: <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, nine, nine.
0: But you're number one. Yeah, no, I'm I'm pumped. That makes you, got me I met you fresh. fresh this morning. <laughs> right. I'm curious. So speaking of all the the hot sauce, is there a special benefit to some of the like the the compounds in hot sauce or do you just adore the oh flavor?
1: yeah, capsaicin. Um, so that's the kind of hot compound. Oh, I do have videos. Let me see what I say in my uh So just finished my new book. Very excited. Yes. I want to ask you about that. How Not to Age. And so just, uh, unfortunately, it's not going to be out for over a year. Um, but it's just gonna be months. It's eleven thousand citations. Oh my that goodness. makes it about twice as big as how not to die That's like a thousand pages now I'm not even gonna print it, so I have to edit it way down. <laughs> uh, lots of fact checking. that's gonna be four months. so this um, comes but, out next year. so it's gonna be december twenty twenty three got it yeah, but hold oh, on, wait. <laughs> I'm going to uh pull up uh first draft and look for capsaicin cat if i can spell it right there it is okay are you ready this is like this is an exclusive i know i'm pumped (laughs) okay so uh what i don't even know what uh chapter this is out of but um uh four out of four studies have been four studies on spicy food mortality so far and four out of four Found significant decrease in the risk of premature death. Dun, da, da, da. No way. <laughs> um, and the intake of sweet peppers also seemed to help it to a lesser extent. So there may indeed be some benefit to that spicy capsaicin compound itself. Dun, da, 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 Let me see if there's anything else juicy in here. Um, so, uh, there's a number of things you're suggesting. Perhaps, uh, it was, uh, Uh, The spice was used as a replacement for salt. Um, Let me see if this actually... Oh, so it turns out that that, um, spicy compounds actually do make things taste saltier, um, even though they don't actually have any sodium. You can put people in a PET scanner and uh, pick up... uh, You can get pleasure signaling to salty foods just with hot peppers. That's cool.
0: Thank
1: you. And so... But let me see if they actually control for that... Um. To, 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 oh, I, and then I just end saying, just because every study ever done on spicy food and mortality shows that hot peppers may help you live longer, don't you know? Don't go eating ghost peppers.
0: Ooh, or I tried one Carolina one
1: Reapers peppers. <laughs> or, um, and then I of course have grisly case reports of people rupturing their esophagus from vomiting, and you know all the good stuff.
0: All the good stuff. I'm I'm definitely intrigued. Thank you for the sneak peek. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> so I know you said like, you don't really need a recovery meal. You're doing low level of physical activity throughout the day, but I would like to ask you about recovery foods, especially because optimizing recovery is so important for athletes. The better and quicker you recover, the harder you can train the next day, essentially. So what are some of the best foods that have been put to the test for recovery that
1: you're aware of? So, uh, you know, it's all about that delayed onset muscle soreness. Mm-hmm. You know, if you a really hard workout, you know, it's not the lactic acid buildup uh, that's, you know, burning your muscles while you're actually doing it, but the next day, those little muscle tears and things um, uh, um, will get sore the next day, and then it kind of delays the time. And so you can see people, you can do have people do, like, arm curls or something, and then the next day significantly um uh, diminish their ability. And so the hope is, well, if you could somehow kind of short circuit that, maybe you could kind of get back, you could train more frequently instead of, you know, just doing leg day and, you know, et cetera. So mm-hmm. um uh, and so because this was kind of an inflammatory um reaction, they said, oh let's do some anti-inflammatory foods. And so indeed, you had a bunch of videos on nutrition facts that are talking about how berries you give people blueberries, for example. Um, And you can get significantly improved recovery in terms of maintaining that same level of intensity from resistance exercise. And it also um, uh, helps with maintaining your natural killer cell function, which is kind of frontline immune defense against both uh, viruses and cancer. Um, And so, you know, when when, uh, the rates of upper respiratory tract infection after marathons, for example, is really high um, because your body's just kind of so depleted um and so you so and of course if you get sick that's just going to screw up your um you know your ability to get back on the track and so uh, maintaining immune function even with exhaustive exercise can be done with uh, something like blueberries something like a nutritional yeast brewer's yeast baker's yeast um and so what other foods so I think tart cherries
0: mm-hmm.
1: um um I think also, you had one on
0: watermelon too.
1: Oh, oh, watermelon terms of recovery. That's yeah, cool. muscle soreness. Oh, yeah. A link indeed. to a bunch I below. <laughs> if it was the citrulline or the or the, the the lycopene or who knows. But that's awesome. Cool. Look, you know, more than that, you just go to NutritionFactor.org. I got too much in my brain.
0: I learned so much from your videos, Dr.
1: Greger. Awesome. Um, just
0: circling back the, to the nutritional yeast, I found that yeah. fascinating. Is cool. like, what is it about nutritional yeast that's so beneficial for immune function? Use super you know?
1: cool. So yeah, so there's mm. this um, a rather unique fiber. Um, so when we think of fiber, fiber is not one thing. Fiber is hundreds of different things. So basically, fiber is any kind of indigestible carbohydrate um, uh, uh, in our diet. That's a simplified version, but. Um, uh, So, of course, indigestible by us, by human enzymes, but of course, most of the cells in our body are not human, but bacterial, and in our colon, they can eat these indigestible uh, um, carbohydrates and produce all sorts of wonderful byproducts that then absorb back into our system, have all sorts of beneficial effects, et cetera. Okay. So, lots of different types of fiber. One fiber the beta-glucan fiber of a specific kind of linkage um, found in yeast fungi in general. Um and so found in you know Saccharomyces the like beer yeast, brewer's <laughs> yeast, nutritional yeast. Um, but um, you know throughout most of evolution, um, uh, you know yeast was a bad thing, right? We were we were we were fighting off yeast infections, um, uh, and uh, and so our bodies evolved to be very sensitive to detection from. Um, this particular configuration of fiber, because it's not found in animals, so it's not found in our own body. So it's kind of a signature of of a foreign uh, something foreign. Um, and so when we eat um, yeast, our body detects that that fiber and says, "Whoa! All right, we may this may be a candidate attack. Quick, let's rally our immune defenses." Um, and we think that's why it's kind of this molecular mimicry kind of thing, um, where we can so boost, for example, our, you know, IgA production, which is the antibodies that are produced on our mucosal surfaces, like in our saliva that protect against kind of upper respiratory tract infections. So we think that's why we're kind of, um, kind of artificially prodding our immune system to kind of remain on higher alert than normal. Um, and this allows us to, uh, Hopefully decrease disease risk.
0: <laughs> That's so cool. Um, do you have a favorite way to eat nutritional yeast
1: like yourself? Um uh, well, uh, let me see. Uh, uh I mean, I used to mix it because you know, I have there's all these like powders that I try mm. to eat every day. <laughs> and so I originally tried just, well, I'm just gonna put them all together and like and and just sprinkle it on everything. Um, and so I recently mixed it with my my ground flax seeds. Um, and now wheat germ's a new thing um that I'm encouraged that in the new book will encourage people to eat germ. again. Okay. Here's a here's another tip. Um, thanks to a uh uh biogenic amine called spermidine, which is found in wheat germ. Um uh, this longevity compound. Mm. Um and so now I'm encouraging people to eat. wheat. So I'm mixing with wheat germ and ground flax. Um, and so I could put, put the nutrition in there. But then like all my meals tasted the same. I forget what else I was putting in there. And so I was like, ah, this is getting so <laughs> um now um oh, I put it on popcorn, air pop popcorn. Okay. Um you can spritz it with some apple cider vinegar or some malt vinegar just to make it a little moist so the nutrition sticks. Um, you can also throw some chlorella and make zombie corn, you know, this like bright green, crazy. Uh, I'm looking popcorn well, so I like putting my... Oh, then you could. Can- oh, oh, uh, you actually drip some Tabasco on. Um, of course, of course. The nutrition, fa- the nutri- the nutrition facts stick to the popcorn. Um, Perfect. Uh, yeah, and uh, if you like it salty, you can sprinkle on some potassium chloride.
0: Ooh, okay. Um, okay, next question here. Um Thinking of in terms of like improving athletic performance now, not just enhancing recovery, I guess. Beets come up a lot. Beets and beets. nitrates and things like that. We see all these supplements on the shelves and things yeah. now. Can you talk briefly about the evidence behind this? Is this something athletes should be incorporating or what are your thoughts?
1: Yeah, so the um, uh, actually the most concentrated form of vegetable nitrates is uh, actually in dark green leafy vegetables, not beets. Um uh so a I think is number one a rocket um uh is the most concentrated source, although it's a little hard to kind of like a little you know it's thinner. not as right when you're on your uh when you're on your <laughs> ultra marathon carrying your box of arugula it might not do it so <laughs> but there, but so um so people have used uh beets uh, so there've been studies on basically on spinach on um, beets uh, like canned beets um beet juice um uh just sodium nitrate uh, supplements um oh and then also fennel the fennel seeds yeah fennel seeds um uh, which uh, which is one of the few kind of non perishables i mean taken on a hiking trip um sources of vegetable nitrates um yeah so um so what does nitrate do nitrates kind of um uh, was uh it's a big breakthrough in the sports physiology realm we didn't think i mean we we always thought you could get um, uh, you know more uh, more uh, you could improve your ability to get oxygen to your muscles you know you could uh, um, uh, and uh, but what nitrates do is actually improve the efficiency by which energy is extracted from oxygen. So for every breath, you actually get more um, power. This is whether you're a deep sea diver holding your breath or whether you're an endurance athlete or, you know. Um, uh, Not all studies have found a performance um, uh, advantage. Um, Part of that is due to timing. You have to have nitrates in your system at the right time. And I forget. Is it like an hour and a half before? Like if you're doing a 5K, I think it was like 90 minutes. I'd have to check. It's in the video. Okay. Where, I mean, you know, they, for breakfast, you have your, you know, your smoothie or whatever, with, you know, your green smoothie. Um, and it's about timing it um, uh, because actually it's a little complicated. The nitrates actually have to circulate and get dumped back into your salivary glands to be turned by nitrate-reducing bacteria on your tongue to the, to be basically activated to then go on uh, to produce the nitric oxide that actually helps you. So um, it's not kind of an instant thing. Um, and you want to make sure, and the reason you don't want to do it with supplements is because um, the nitrite that's created um, from the nitrates um, in the presence of a protein uh, can produce nitrosamines, which are carcinogenic. Um, And so that's why you want plant-based sources, not supplementary sources. And you want to have your stomach filled with plants throughout the day when you're doing this, um, uh, which will uh, uh, will mediate that concern. Perfect. That's so, I find that like
0: so fascinating that I think... Most people just thought it like it was like had a vasodilatory effect and just increased blood flow. But to actually right. change like oxygen utilization is so, so wild. Cool.
1: <laughs> At the mitochondrial level. It <laughs> yeah. is so cool. So crazy. Yeah. And yeah.
0: then yeah. And then the fact that like I think you have a video as well um, advising people not to use antiseptic mouthwash for the reason that we need those like converting bacteria on the tongue.
1: Crazy. Super crazy. Oh, and on this video isn't even out yet. Um, by, uh, tongue scraping, oh. um, as, uh, as part of oral hygiene, um, tongue scraping, you don't even buy a tongue scraper. You use the, mm-hmm. the, just use a spoon or something. Um, uh, gently scraping your tongue actually, um, improves your, um, the concern was, oh, are we going to, uh, you know, scrape away the good bugs, but no, it actually improves their ability, um, uh, to activate uh, vegetable nitrates. Oh, and improve well. salt sensitivity <laughs> as well. So a drop of tomato soup um, after tongue scraping actually tastes saltier than before. And anything that can make things taste saltier will decrease salt intake, which is the number one killer of humanity is dietary sodium intake. That's so cool.
0: Thank you. (laughs) Okay. I have to ask you about um, vegan protein powder. Often athletes supplement with protein powder, whether it's just like a convenience thing or whether they're trying to hit certain macronutrient need goals. Do you have an opinion on that? Like a lot of them are made out of like soy or protein isolates. What are your thoughts? They have
1: been brainwashed by the protein supplement industry. (laughs) Um, And so, I, you know, if you actually look at the data on, you know, you typically think of people trying to like improve muscle hypertrophy, um, increase muscle mass with uh, protein powders. Um, turns out there's a threshold effect, and there's actually um, I, I, one of the one of Dr. Greger's anti-aging eight, which is like the the, the new book's equivalent of the Daily Dozen. I'm so excited! Is <laughs> dun 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 protein restriction. Oh, so many yep. of the the uh, the longevity of benefits associated with dietary restriction, caloric restriction, eating less food is actually because you're restricting protein. Um, it's not that you're restricting calories. So while well, that makes it a lot easier, so instead of walking around starving all the time, you just cut down protein to recommended levels, which is 0.8 grams per healthy kilogram body weight. Um, And so when you take people eating typical American levels of protein, drop them down to the recommended levels, you get all a a wide range of metabolic benefits. Um, And so actually, we should be going the opposite direction um, and away from concentrated sources of protein for metabolic health and longevity. Um, I think people will be convinced when they look at the data. I'm looking forward to presenting it. And so don't. Uh, don't, uh, you know, don't, uh, you know, just don't trust me. Trust the science. And I know I haven't presented the science, but it's coming. Okay. am um, so just giving you a heads up. <laughs> we'll stay tuned for that.
0: Um, you mentioned 0.8 grams per kilogram body weight. Is that for just your general... Like, I mean, for someone that's very active, is that sufficient or is there a uh, higher yeah. the only people for the, which is
1: not for um is like if you're a burn victim or something, mm. or if you are um uh you know have you can, some kind of massive damage, um, you can actually then dramatically increase. Um, and even even um uh um during uh uh disease wound healing, there's really a tremendous burst of uh of uh protein needs um, uh, during uh, um, recovery from illness, and it's partially just because you are churning out i mean you're, you're i was just and I only remember this because I was just writing about this yesterday um, uh, you know normally if you you know take a blood sample, you get a white count, which is uh, uh, which is billions per liter if you actually do the math. Um, so you know, we're sitting around with like five billion you know white cells per liter. Your body can churn out of your bone marrow in 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 the context of a severe infection a trillion white cells a day. A trillion, a trillion <laughs> That's insane. All <laughs> right, okay. How do you make a trillion new white cells out of nothing? You don't make it out of nothing, you make it out of protein, you make it mm-hmm. out of you know constituents. And so gives you sense of the tremendous. Um uh you know that that's why anyway, so um so, but for data, so if you are not in a hospital, et cetera, if you're not um uh, recovering from major surgery, yes, point eight is all you need, okay, Perfect. the institute of medicine, uh oh although over um over age seventy five um why well, i think, oh let me see, I think I actually increased. To one um, gram per per kilogram. I'll have to check that. But um, there may be a bump later in life. Okay. In older age. But for
0: the majority of people, 0.8 per gram gram per kilogram is perfect. Okay. Next
1: question. And not just Um, minimum, but recommended. Actually, benefits. Achieving that. Um, Yeah. So it's not the floor. It's not the ceiling. It's really the target.
0: Perfect. And then yeah, for all those longevity benefits, which is right. fascinating. I can't wait for your new book. Okay. Um, another thing athletes almost like not all athletes, but many athletes consume is energy drinks, like monsters, Red Bulls, things like that. Um, do you think, like based on the research, are they beneficial or harmful for performance? Do you have an opinion?
1: Ooh, I did a bunch of energy drink videos. You have to tell me what they came out with. Okay. Did yeah. They I- performance. Were there performance benefits beyond? I don't think there were beyond,
0: not beyond the caffeine, perhaps. Mm. Um, So do you have a recommended source of caffeine then? Because caffeine is like a proven ergogenic aid. Do you recommend coffee? Do you recommend tea? Green
1: tea. So Mm. matcha tea is probably the healthiest uh, beverage, a healthiest caffeinated beverage. You're actually eating the green tea leaves yourself. Um, uh, Some people, the... the tannins, these little bitter compounds in tea is too much for people um, on an empty stomach, which is ideally how we should drink our tea because it interferes with iron absorption. Mm. Um, but so if that's a little too much, um, then, uh, then you know, uh, black tea, um, other types of tea um, and uh, coffee as well is um, is uh, is has more pros than cons for most people. Okay, so coffee's okay.
0: All right. Um, so I know you have an upcoming seminar on the health benefits of yoga.
1: Oh um, yeah, that's which, gonna be fun. Yeah, I'm so excited for it. I uh, we're gonna. I it's gonna be like a quiz structure where you go in, everyone votes. Like I, I've been playing around with the Zoom poll thing. Oh, so. Cool. Um, and so it's it, it should be fun, or it should be aggravating. I don't know. We'll find out. It's gonna be a new experiment.
0: Super excited for it. Um, I am a passionate yoga practice oh, practitioner. Sweet. So yeah, sweet. I'm like, I'm wondering, I know like you have the webinar coming up, but I oh any... love it
1: and hate it. <laughs> can you share any insights? Yeah, um, yeah. Everyone's going to be mad. If oh. no, right. And so all the people, all the yoga advocates are going to be like, Oh, this sucks. All the people that think yoga is all bunk. They're like, this sucks. Yeah. so basically it helps for some things mm-hmm. more than just regular exercise. So it's not just the, you know, the fact that you're moving around um expending calories. So some things actually superior to other things of kind of similar um uh uh you know uh, metabolic investment. Um other things is just as good as any other exercise. So hey, if you like yoga, go for it. Other things, um, it doesn't work even compared to nothing. Oh wow. Um and so it's like you know yeah um and then talk about some of the um uh some of the contraindications people with osteoporosis doing headstands that kind of thing um and i, I found the whole thing really fascinating i mean it's really complicated it's really hard to study there's 50 different styles and so I mean, what do you even mean by yoga right um and so there's some you know there 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 are some studies that claim they're talking about yoga but Actually, um, you know, usually there's kind of three components. There's kind of like a, a breathing component or a forms component, or, a, um, and some are just breathing, some are just, some are, 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 are self inducing vomiting. It was very common yoga practice in India. And it's just like, oh, God. So, anyway, so there's lots of, you know, lots of fascinating um, data. And interestingly, you know there's this uh there's this phenomenon where all acupuncture trials for example out of china are positive like all like every single one 100% works for everything wow. right <laughs> whereas okay. if you look at um acupuncture trials do around the rest of the world um the data is much more mixed um and and so the concern is Maybe, um, because like acupuncture originated um, in the area, there's this kind of national pride, and then want to prove to the world that they cultural cool stuff is awesome. And so, you know, the concern is that there's publication bias. That with if something actually turned out negative, they just would quietly shelve it and not publish it. And that's why in the literature, all you see are these positive acupuncture um, uh, trials out of China. And so, when you see a trial there, you're like, ugh you know, how much weight do you want to give to that? Because maybe there were 10 other trials that didn't work. And so this is like the one fluke. And we see a similar thing out of India. So all the Indian yoga trials, oh my God, yoga's best thing since sliced whole grain bread, (laughs) right? Um, uh, But then you look at the rest of the world. Now, it's possible in India, they just do yoga better, right? Mm -hmm. Or in China, they're just better at acupuncture, right? Um, <laughs> and so like you do some like Midwest study on yoga, and it's like maybe they're just not, and yoga doesn't work, maybe they didn't quite do it as good as a place where they've been doing yoga for a thousand years, right? So, yeah, that's possible, but it is a little suspicious that every single trial out of and so when you when all the data that exists is just Indian um uh trial uh, trials um out of uh subcontinent in India. Uh, it's hard to figure out what to make of that. So I don't know. So lots of really fascinating stuff. Lots of like, how do you, like, what's your control group? Is it walking, right? I mean, just mm-hmm. so there's some, like, some level of movement. Um, but if it's a yoga, if you're being enrolled in a yoga trial, you know you're not in the yoga group. And if you really believe yoga is going to help, you're going to be kind of pissy that, right? So, so they do, like, fake yoga, so it's like, they just like make up crazy forms that actually have no way, right? Just like for acupuncture, they do fake acupuncture points with needles that like a magic trick disappear into their handle. So it looks like it's going into you, but it's not actually going into you. So to, because then people think they're doing yoga or getting acupuncture and they're actually not. Okay. So then if it, if it fails, if real yoga fails compared to fake yoga, well, you could argue, well, maybe fake yoga, maybe they just happen. To, maybe fake yoga is yoga. Like maybe any, it's, it's cool. It's from a kind of study design. It's just, it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. I'm glad you guys to on me. <laughs>
0: That's so fascinating. I love it. And I love how enthusiastic you are. And I can't thank you enough for all the research you do. I know our time is up here, but. Ah, um, <laughs> oh yeah. Yep. But all thank right, you for run. everything and uh, all the best. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thanks for your help. That's all for now. Thank you for listening, and I hope it was valuable to you. Please remember to check out the show notes for all the resources mentioned and links to connect with our guest. If you would like to support what I'm doing, the best way to help me grow the show is to subscribe, of course, but also share it with your friends and family or on social media. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, you can also leave a five-star review and or a comment. A special thank you, as always, to Tyler Gatto for composing the theme music for the podcast and to Wyatt Pavlik for the excellent audio engineering each and every episode. So until next time, keep training hard, keep eating plants, and take care.